We're in Chovot HaLevavot, Sha'ar HaBitachon. We're in the middle of chapter 4, part 2. And we're talking about the second category to which Bitachon applies, which is additional income. Until this point, Chovot HaLevavot described to us how Bitachon applies in regards to things that are essential to a person's existence, right? We spoke about life and death. We spoke about health and illness. We spoke about sustenance, right? A person's livelihood to survive, to have food, shelter. In this section, he addresses the application of bitahon in luxury. When it comes to extra comforts and luxuries that people crave and that people spend time working, right? To earn a lot of money to then be able to have extra luxuries in life. So it's a different level now of hishtadlut and bitahon. It's not the essentials. It's not survival like we've been discussing. Now for the explanation of the second category, which consists of matters relating to a person's acquisition of assets, his sources of livelihood, and his involvement in some occupation, whether it's commerce or a craft. Like in transportation or, or management or, or being hired to work. Or being a, a, a clerk or a government official. Or being an accountant or, or, or contracting or dealing with credit, like being a banker. Or being a writer, being an author, or any other type of service. Journeying in the in the wildernesses, in the in the deserts and the seas, or any such activity. Or any other activity that a person is engaging in to amass a large amount of money and indulge in luxuries. So what we spoke about so far, like we said, is people who are seeking an occupation to support themselves, basically to supply them with their minimal needs and be able to need what they need. But now he's talking about people that are working to live comfortable and luxurious lives, right? Working to amass a fortune. The correct way of applying bitachon and Hashem with regards to these matters is is that a person should engage in the work that Hashem prepared for him, right? Meaning we mentioned that, you know, earlier a person has specific inclinations and, and intellect and physical strength or other qualities and talents and skills for, for a certain type of job. So he should do that. To the extent that's sufficient for the purpose of obtaining his sustenance and food. Basically his basic living. And to attain what is sufficient to his other basic necessities in the world as well. Basically, he should do what he needs to pay for his life. And if Hashem decrees that he receives extra income beyond these basic necessities, like a surplus, then it will come to him without any additional effort and exertion on his part. As long as he trusts in Hashem regarding the extra. Meaning, he's saying a person should basically work to, 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 to take care of his life. 
And if he has faith, if he has emunah, if he has bitachon, if he relies on Hashem on anything extra, if he knows Hashem will provide him anything extra, he will not have to work any extra to receive a surplus, to receive, quote unquote, the luxuries. If he believes that any extra income is dependent solely on Hashem's decree and not on his own effort, then if Hashem has ordained that he should receive it, it will come to him and he will not have to work any harder than he does for his basic necessities. Now, the key here is realizing that he says, provided that he trusts in Hashem regarding this. So the implication is that if he does not have this trust, even if he was decreed to be afforded extra income, he's only going to be able to get it if he works hard for it, if he works extra hard. Which, by the way, explains a lot of what we see. We see guys, they work workaholics, they work 24-7, they're billionaires. Wow, amazing. Listen, they believe that their income and their luxury and their surplus is directly correlated to their work. They're not attributing it to Hashem, is what Chavot Lavot is saying. And so they have to work hard for that money. But if they realize it was coming from Hashem, if they realize if that bitachon, that truly the surplus comes from Hashem, they would be able to work less and still make that money. And we learned that earlier, if you remember, we learned in a chapter, in one of the, I think the first chapter, where Chavot Lavot says, if a person places his trust in something other than Hashem, Hashem leaves him in the hands of the thing that he trusts. So, if a person's relying on his hard work instead of trusting in Hashem, okay, he might be successful, but Hashem's going to make him dependent on that natural success of the hard work, which comes with a lot of toil and a lot of stress. We're back in the Peshat, So he should not seek additional avenues to get extra income. Nor should he rely on them in his heart. Meaning, he shouldn't now go obsessively out trying to search for every opportunity to make money, whether it's spending longer hours stressing or taking on additional jobs, thinking he needs to get a surplus. He's basically saying, even in his heart, he says, even in his heart, he, he shouldn't think this way, that if he worked harder, he would earn more. Because that's going to contradict the bitachon and Hashem. Chavot Lavot is saying this person should believe that whatever extra money he's destined to obtain, it will come to him through his ordinary effort that he puts forth to earn a basic living. He just needs to have that bitachon. And if Hashem does not decree for him to earn more money than his food and his essentials, even if all the beings in heaven and earth, right, all angels and people, were endeavoring and trying to add to his surplus, to his allotted portion, they're not going to be able to. In any way. Not by any means. Meaning, no matter what, if Hashem did not decree this person to make the surplus, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. In fact, there's, 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 there's a commentary that says that even if his extra efforts earn him a larger paycheck, one day an extra expense will then come to will then come to offset the gain. Meaning whatever Hashem put aside for this person is what that person person is going to earn. So let, let's discuss this a little bit because it's 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 deep stuff, it's heavy stuff, and, and it's hard because in our lives we see correlation. The harder we work, the more money we make. Or at least the harder the work uh, harder work, the more maybe we see we see activity, we see action. So let's let's break it down a little bit. So we're learning here that there's really a distinction between a person's basic necessities and extra income. With necessities, we learn that a person's obligated, obligated, it's mitzvah, to do hishtadlut, right? In order for a person to receive what Hashem has prepared for him. With extras though, Havot Lavot is saying technically, there's no requirement of increased hishtadlut. He's saying any extra effort is not necessary. If Hashem ordains that this person is to receive additional income and he has the proper bitahon, 
it will come to him without any extra effort. And if Hashem has not ordained it, all his efforts to obtain it is uh, for what? But if a person's effort is, is, is being supplied with a weak bitahon in regards to extra income, the, and he feels that his success is dependent on it, then whatever surplus does come, it's going to come at the expense of hard work. So, so Hishtadlut, essentially, we're learning, is a system set in place for us to have our necessities. But if we have bitahon, that the surplus will come through our Hishtadlut, then we will be able to have a surplus. Now, what is Hishtadlut? What is Hishtadlut? Hishtadlut is essentially doing the best we can and putting all our efforts in, in what our heart and soul know is reasonable, when we're not, you know, working 24-7, it's ruining our marriage, God forbid, it's ruining our, our, our religious life. No, it's giving it you all within reason and then taking the step back, taking the step back. And, and I, I read something interesting recently that I think is a good example where, where Nike, when the company first started, I think it was called Blue Ribbon Sneakers. It, was, it wasn't called Nike yet, but the point is the first five years of the company wasn't doing particularly well because I guess running shoes wasn't such a big deal. But then suddenly there was like a movement in the country where, I don't know, some demand for running, for running became so popular and Nike happened to be in the right place at the right time. Meaning the company didn't predict that there would be this boom in, 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 in running and in jogging. It was in the business. It just did what it did for four or five years. It, was, it got itself to a position where it sort of knew the industry and became a leader in the category, even though it wasn't a big one. And then when the boom happened, they were in the perfect position to capitalize on the demand and the company took off. So it just shows how Hashem, if someone is meant to be successful, if a company is meant to be successful, and, and the company or the person does the Ishtadlut, and, and now we're assuming there's bitahon in the mix, of course, because he's saying, hey, bitahon. Hashem will find a way to give the person or the company what's meant for it. The same way you have companies that might steal, cheat, and lie, and they, they, they become huge, and then they go under. They go bankrupt, or there's lawsuits, or there's the government goes after them, right? We hear about Ponzi schemes where they, these guys are stealing hundreds of millions of dollars. At the end of the day, if the money is not... For them, if the money was not destined by Hashem for them, it will be taken away. So I just thought adding a little bit of a spin in, in, in what we witness in the world is an interesting way to look at it. And Ha'ot is now going to add that trusting in Hashem causes a person to also have peace. Not only are you going to get the surplus that you're meant to get and your necessities are covered, you can have internal spiritual peace and tranquility. When a person trusts in Hashem to provide for him. He'll find peace of mind and tranquility of the soul. Because he knows that what's meant for him will not go to somebody else. Nor what was ordained for him will come any earlier or later than the determined time. So basically he, this person who has bitachon and nobody else, will receive whatever funds Hashem has allotted to him at the time that he, see, he sees fit regardless of the effort. See, a person, there's nothing more unsettling when a person feels that he didn't do everything he could to improve his life, right? Like, oh, I could have worked harder. I could have made more money if I put in my, my Ishtad Lut. Or, or there's nothing worse than feeling somebody else worked harder and received something that he could have had. Oh, that guy got what I had because he... So, so having the bitahon, knowing that there's really nothing he could do or nothing he could have done, right? That would have gained him the extra money that's not ordained for him and that he will in any event receive what is ordained gives the guy peace. So 
So what we're learning is there's two benefits here. There's benefit to Hishtadlut and there's benefit to Bitahon. Because if you do Hishtadlut and you have Bitahon, you know whatever the result is, you're going to be okay with it because there's nothing more I could have done. It's, a, it's a, I could have worked harder if he didn't steal my product, if this guy did this for me. None of that applies because what's determined to be yours will be yours no matter what under two conditions. You have bitachon, trust in Hashem. And in the case of necessities, if you're doing the the hishtadlut, and in the case of the luxuries, like we said, is is really about having uh, having the bitachon. Now, Chovot Avot now is going to say, okay, we acknowledge that a person could earn more than he needs for his basic sustenance. So the question is, why are certain people wealthy? We see some people getting by paycheck to paycheck. Okay, that's the basic necessities. But there's a lot of rich people. There's people with a lot of money. There's people that work hard and have a lot of money. What's the situation there? Sometimes Hashem channels the livelihood of many people through the hand of one of them. He's saying there's one person that technically earns a lot of money, extra money, that he's meant to support others with, not to spend it on luxuries. So if a person has a lot of money, the money might be intended for uh, his employees or his extended family or for him to distribute at tzedakah. And this is done to test the person to see if he's going to serve Hashem or rebel against Hashem with the money. In fact, Hashem makes this person's position as a patron of others, meaning as a wealthy person that has dependents. A person, uh, Hashem makes this person's position one of the most challenging ways of testing and tempting him. Meaning, we learned earlier that one of the reasons Hashem makes a person work for a livelihood, for a living, is because it tests the person to see how he's going to go about doing his job, right? But what he's telling us here is that when Hashem puts a person in the position of having abundance, of having a surplus of income, so he could support others rather than himself, this test is even harder. This one's especially difficult for the following reasons. He's now going to explain. So now he's going to give examples of first the types of people he's referring to, examples of people in this situation. He says like a king who provides for as many soldiers and servants. And those similar people, right, in positions of leadership, like government ministers or royal officials or, or, or governors. Who are typically surrounded by groups of people, servants, attendants, and employees, whose livelihood that they supply. Right, or in a smaller case, you have, let's say, regular people who have wives and children and families that rely on them. And since these people, these wealthy people, feel responsible for their dependents, for these people that are relying on them, they have to energetically pursue means to amass the money needed to support them. But they have the option to do this either in good ways or bad ways. So he's saying that while every person, of course, has the choice of earning income through bad ways or good ways, the challenge that we have here for a guy who has a lot of people depending on him is he has that burden of supporting people. He has that stress, that pressure that there are people relying on him, right? So in our times, for example, if you have an owner of a large corporation, 
right? The guy's a big company. He's desperate to meet the payroll because he has pressure. All his employees are relying on the success of the company to feed their families. So there's pressure. The bigger the company, the, the, the more pressure, right? Or if he has to repay a loan, or you have somebody with a big family, he has to feed his kids. So he's saying these people are going to be more tempted to resort to questionable practices, practices to avoid bankruptcy, right? A guy who's under pressure might be more willing to do bad to get the money he thinks he needs than to do good. So that's going to be the root of the challenges that these people face, people with wealth, people with surplus, people with dependence. The foolish person among this group, will make a mistake in three ways. Wow, he's going to tell us three ways that people with wealth make mistakes. The first, the first one, like we just referred to or alluded to, is the way in which he goes making the money. Because he obtains whatever money Hashem has ordained for him, no more or no less. But he can do so in a disgraceful and wicked way, God forbid. So he's saying the first mistake a person might make is try to make his money in disgraceful ways, which is ways that are unethical or improper or that will tarnish his reputation. A person with bitahon shouldn't do this because a person with bitahon should know that he's meant to get whatever he's going to get regardless so he should do it in proper ways. He doesn't realize that if he pursued his money and obtained these funds in appropriate ways, in ethical ways, he'll meet his same goal and objective. But not only will he get all the money he needs, his spiritual and worldly interests will also be preserved. He'd be following the Torah, he'll have a good reputation, he'll be a good guy. And he won't lack anything of what Hashem has decreed for him to receive. So, since he was chosen by Hashem to be the one through whom other people should receive their livelihood... He has to get the necessary funds anyway. And he could have done so without doing anything against the Torah or against his dignity. So the root of this person's mistake is that he believes it's his efforts that are bringing him his income. And since he needs more money than the average person, because he has to support people, right? He's now going to resort to forbidden or shameful or unethical methods of attaining it because he doesn't understand Hashem supplies the sustenance. So if Hashem wants him to be able to continue to support these people, Hashem will supply him with proper ways to obtain it, even though the money might seem larger or, or difficult to obtain. So this is the first mistake that a person in this position makes. And this is one of the major challenges that Havodavot is saying comes with being in charge uh, 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 of other people's income. And by the way, we're seeing that a person in this position thus needs more bitahon than someone who earns only enough to feed himself or his own family. We're learning that there's a, there's a, there's a positive correlation or a, or a, or a, or a positive uh, relation between the pressure a person has to support others and his bitahon. The bigger of a, of a responsibility and burden that a person has on his shoulders to support people and make money, the more bitahon he has to have to stay on the path. Amazing. That's the first thing. The second mistake, the second way that a foolish person who makes a lot of money makes a mistake is that he thinks that all the money he earns of, of, of the income, of the revenue, is for him, for his personal well-being, for his mazon, for his food. So a person might earn a lot of money 
and say, oh, okay, my expenses are covered, but uh, this was given to me uh, for savings for the future or, or uh, to spend on my pleasures and my passions, right? He, he feels that if he gives away his money, he's going to have to earn, earn it again and he's going to have to earn more. He, he thinks that this money is going to make him avoid situations in the future. Um, he, he might almost think that this money is for him to just either hoard so that he can afford the future or just indulge in luxuries. And since this person thinks that all his earnings are for him, he's not going to share it with others. He's going to be stingy. He's not going to, he's not going to give charity. He's not going to be generous to the people that he works with. All right. He doesn't realize that a person's income could be divided into three parts. Fascinating. So now the Havot Lord is going to list spiritual facts. He's going to say there are three different types of revenue that a person gets from Hashem. Hashem sends somebody money and there's three different types of money that this can be. Amazing. Ehad mehem, the first. Teref mezono, income for his food. Basically, his basic sustenance for his body alone. Very simply, this is money that a person earns that's specifically earmarked for his own food and basic sustenance. That's what we spoke about in the other chapters, but he said basic needs. Okay. And this sustenance is guaranteed by Hashem for every living creature until the end of time. So every living creature, whether a human being or an animal, is guaranteed to receive the food it needs to survive for as long as it lives. Right? What do we say in Tehillim? He gives nourishment to all flesh for his kindness endures forever. So with animals, each species has the instincts and tools they need to get the food they need, and they're in the right place and right habitat to get the food that's available that they need. For humans, it's like we said, the livelihood. And, and you know, he, the commentary says, it says, sometimes you might see a person dies of starvation, but don't think that's uh, not fulfilling the, this decree of Hashem that he takes care of every living thing. That's just that the person's lifespan was over, you know, it was... But, but as long as a person's ordained to live, he's guaranteed to have his basic food supplied to him. That's the first thing. And, and, and Tosvot says that, we learned this in the Gemara Berachot, it says that since Hashem created a person and gave the person life, Hashem sort of has the responsibility to sustain the life. And that's why, uh, that's why uh, it's, it's guaranteed to us. And it's beautiful because Rabbi Rush says that's why a person should never worry to have children. Because any child that comes into the world, Hashem will support. You know, some people say, I don't have enough money to have a child. I don't know. I should have the child. If you want to have a child, you bring a Jewish soul into the world. Hashem will take care of the child. The child comes with his own livelihood already uh, ordained for him. It's earmarked for, for the person. Um, but just to, to bring it back to what we were talking about, since one's basic sustenance is guaranteed, but luxuries are not, basically we're, we're learning that a person shouldn't necessarily be stingy. Um, because he should take care of his needs and then realize that his needs will always be taken care of and the surplus should be used for good things, right? Okay, the second type of revenue. Teref mazon zulato is that the, 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 is income, the second type of revenue is income that this person receives for others, for the mazon, for the food and sustenance of others. Including his wife, children, servants, attendants, and similar, right? Like employees. So, so he's saying the sec- so the first type of, of, of revenue is revenue for him to sustain him. The second is not intended for him at all. It's, it's, it's literally for other people and he's the custodian. He's expected to, to watch and hold it and then eventually turn it over to the people who rely on him. So when a husband, for example, supplies his wife with her needs, 
he's not parting with his own money at all. That money was never his. That money was never intended for him to begin with. That money was given to him by Hashem as a custodial responsibility. And this income is not guaranteed by Hashem to all the human beings that he created. But only to the privileged among them. And only under specific conditions. This is interesting. He's saying not every person is guaranteed to be able to earn enough to support others who depend on him. And by the way, that's why there's situations where, God forbid, unfortunately, some people, they can't support their families. And even for those who are granted the means to do so, this may happen at one time and not at another time. Meaning sometimes you might be uh, able to take care of your children and grandchildren. And sometimes you might be a little tight and you can only cover your children or, or whatever. And, and there's different opinions, by the way. There's different opinions. Like the commentary even talks about how, okay, but what about a wife? I mean, the, the wife is an extension of him. So shouldn't technically her parnasa come through him? So there's an opinion that says, well, actually, since there's a halakha, it's a mitzvah for you to support your wife. You have to take care of your wife. Technically, because he's obligated, that has become part of his basic necessity. So, so technically, there is opinion that the money you earn does cover your wife. Meaning, meaning Hashem will guarantee that you could sustain your wife. Because since it's an obligation, it's part of his necessity. Nonetheless, we get the point. It's a fascinating thing is that a person shouldn't make money and just think it's all for him. A person has to realize that some of the money that he's earning is actually specifically designated for his family and for his wife. So he should not be stingy. A person should not be stingy with his wife and children because a lot of the money that's coming to him that would spread out to those expenses are not for him. Right? Hashem uses kindness and justice to determine who's going to be able to afford to cover other people versus not be able to cover his dependents. Uh, and this, of course, is... Uh, is uh, is up to Hashem's is up to Hashem's uh, all knowing and all merciful uh, uh, power. Now there's a third type of revenue, teref kinyan, and this is money that's held as capital, meaning it's 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 held in the form of money or assets. And this property is not meant to benefit the person who has it, meaning he's not gonna need it for his own sustenance or need it to support others. So now we're talking about people with real money, with big money, major money, where they have buildings and they have boats and they have stock and they have, right, they have assets. It's not stuff that they're actually using to survive or to help others. He's a guardian and a protector of this, of this, uh, of this money, of this, of this value. Until he bequeaths it to someone else or loses it in some way. So what he's saying is, what do we say? Three types of revenue. The first one, it's for him his basic needs. Second one, it's for the people that, that, that he needs to support. The third one is literally nothing to do with him or anyone he's supporting, but just for him to guard or watch until it gets passed on to someone else. Whether when he dies at 120 to his children who are, who are meant to have it, or his grandchildren, or his brothers, or his cousins, or charity. And, and he goes so far as to say even losing it to, to, to his competitor, uh, to, to the government, to... Uh, to, uh, to uh, uh, another guy who then spends it to give it to another guy. Meaning Hashem is managing the whole money supply. The whole economy is being run by Hashem. So it's possible that a person's wealth is being held in assets that eventually will reach uh, uh, the, right, the right person. So now, 
since he spoke about the three types of income, he's not going to explain the foolish person's error in this. The foolish person thinks that all the money that Hashem decreed for him to receive, meaning his entire earnings, is all for him, is all for his food and the maintenance of his body. He thinks that whatever excess he earns is meant uh, for his future needs, right? So he's hoarding it. Uh, or maybe, or maybe uh, to be spent on extra comforts and luxuries and passions, right? So, so because he feels this way, that 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 that's what the surplus is for. It's for him, for his indulgence, and his desire to increase his fortune so he can have more of it, more what he thinks is security and pleasure. He just rushes and hastens to get more and more money. It's just more and more and more. Give me more, and he exerts extra effort for it. Uh, effort for it. And then what does he do? He hoards it. But in truth, what we learn, the extra money might not be earmarked for him. It might not even be his money. His name might not be on it. He, he might, and, and now he's, you know, this is a harsh thing to hear, but he's saying he might be amassing a fortune for his wife's future husband. <laughs> meaning, meaning like he's saying uh, 120, this guy might die and all his money might go to his wife. And then the wife marry somebody else and then uh, she, he gets uh, this guy's money that he worked so hard for. This is a little intense. He's saying well, for somebody who murders him, right? Somebody who kills him and then takes his money. With his greatest enemy, right? Who, who, who it might go to once he loses it. And the real point here, I mean, without getting into, you know, these are some, some more difficult and darker examples, but, but, but the whole point is since this money that he earned may have been designated to somebody else where he was just the caretaker of it, and it's destined to end up with someone else, it's very possible that he's working hard to enrich someone else, to make someone else rich. And that's not what he wants. So that's, that's the point that he's making here, is that this person doesn't realize that his hard work might be in vain. In fact, it might be against the purpose that he wants. It might, be, it might oppose what he truly wants. So what's the bottom line is he'd be better off generously sharing the surplus with those who need it and, and of course, you know, get some mitzvot for it. Okay, let's, uh, we'll do a couple more. He says now, the third mistake that a person makes. One second, I want to see something here. Interesting. Now, I was just reading here because it's, it's interesting. It's saying that, so let me read this because this is practical. Although Chavot Elavot discourages hoarding money, this does not mean that one should not save anything for the future. It is in fact reasonable and responsible to think that some of one's extra income is meant for upcoming needs. Certainly if one anticipates a future expense like a child's wedding, it's fiscally responsible to set aside money for the event. The focus here is on the person's attitude. Is all the money that Hashem sent him meant for his own use or is some or much of it meant to be shared with others? And if one has funds and savings, does that provide him assurance of the future? Or does he look to Hashem to ensure that he'll be able to put it to good use? The sages made clear the need for fiscal responsibility by ruling that one should not give away more than a fifth of one's assets to charity, lest he himself become poor and need to accept handouts. However, there are numerous exceptions to this rule. As the Hafez Chaim details, it does not apply to an extremely wealthy person. Oh, I didn't know that. Nor when an exceptional need for charity funds arises, nor when one has a steady income that provides more than enough for his needs, so the tzedakah will not come from his assets, nor when the funds will go to support Torah study. Interesting. So it just gave five exceptions to the rule of capping uh, the tzedakah. 
It is thus a great challenge for a wealthy person to determine the true extent of his tzedakah obligation. Despite these exceptions, the fact that the sages place a cap on tzedakah lest one become poor, even though tzedakah is a mitzvah, teaches that one should certainly be conservative in regards to his voluntary expenses. That's a nice point. We don't want to get carried away. Everything's within reason. Of course, you got to save money, you got to invest it, rainy day fund, you have to. He's just saying the mentality. You can't have this mentality that it's all about hoarding money or spending it on luxuries. No, some of that money is designated for others. In fact, all of that money came from Hashem and therefore should be used accordingly. Hashlishi, the third mistake that a person makes. Is that although he's giving the provisions he received to the rightful owners, meaning the fact that he's giving people the money that they're meant to have, in accordance with Hashem's decree that they should receive it through him, right? So an example, let's say a guy is giving the money to his wife and his children or to charity. He reminds them of his goodness towards them in doing it. As if he's the one who provided them their livelihood and sustained them. And, and, and it was the source of his kindness that, that sustained them. He expects them to thank him and praise him profusely for this. And to act submissively toward him on account of it. And he becomes arrogant. And his heart becomes proud and conceited. And he neglects to fulfill his debt of gratitude to Hashem for granting him the privilege of distributing it to others. And he thinks that if he didn't give them this money, that he would have had more money. And if he didn't give it to them in his generosity, they wouldn't have had Parnasah. Uh, uh, but in actuality, he's the poor one. Who's toiling in this world. And, and, not, and not thinking about the world to come. So, so what's he saying? He's saying, bottom line, a person who gives somebody money, he's not parting with his own money. He's giving people what is really theirs. Okay? And that's not only charity, but it's also people he employs. Right? So... What he's saying is that this person thinks he's sustaining them. When in reality, Hashem's sustaining them through him. He thinks, I'm the wealthy one, they rely on me, they'll be poor. But it's not true. It's not true. It's coming from Hashem. And that's, and that's the message here. Now, the correct reactions of a person is as follows. He's going to go through the right way to think, and then we're done. This is the last, this is the last page. It's the last page. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything because this is some heavy stuff. Amazing. No, it's just saying here, it's why you shouldn't feel bad, God forbid, to pay your employees to give charity because don't think you're losing money because you're doing this. This is what Hashem wants you to do. In fact, the money was given to you for them. Hashem, Hashem, Hashem will bless you in the first place by sending you extra money and, and Hashem will bless you afterwards. That's, that's essentially um, what it's saying here. But now let's talk about the wise person. The wise person he conducts himself in these three areas. In the right way, right spiritual and worldly path in the, in the ways of the Torah. So it's going to be the opposite, right? He's going to obtain income only in permissible and respectable ways, right? He's going to only do what's right. 
He's not going to just break laws. You know, a lot of people, they justify business. Oh, I got to survive. Dog eat dog world. You know, lie, cheat, steal, do whatever you got to do. No, he's going to follow the Torah, follow the mitzvah, act in holiness, act in purity, right? He's not going to go to inappropriate places with buyers to wine and dine them. He's not going to bribe people. He's, he's going to do everything ethically. He's not going to work on Shabbat, work on holidays. No, he's going to do everything the right way. Number two, he recognizes that not all his earnings are his first personal use, right? And he distributes them accordingly. So he's not just uh, spending a ton on himself or hoarding his money and then not giving charity or not helping friends and family. And number three, he's not going to wait for the praise and, submif- and submif- eh, submissiveness from his beneficiaries. Why? He thanks Hashem for giving him the opportunity to provide it to them. He realizes that he is a vessel. And by the way, I heard a beautiful example, and, and we'll keep going, we'll wrap up, but about why when a person does good things with his money, Hashem gives him more. Imagine Hashem is giving a guy money, he says, you watch this money, I want you to do good with this money. And now he runs to Atlantic City, spends all the money gambling. And he's spending his money on this, and he's spending the money on that, all terrible things, all passions, physical luxuries, materials, and indulgences. Is Hashem gonna say, oh, I'm gonna give you more money? Uh, you know, I'm gonna tell you, I'm, uh, let me send you more money. Why would he send this person more money? He's not, he's not spending the money in a way that's serving Hashem or in the will of Hashem. But a person who's giving charity, helping others, using the money from its vote. Of course, enjoying his life, of course, of course. You could have luxury, it says it in here. But if the guy's using his money predominantly for good, Hashem's gonna say, you're an unbelievable guardian for my money. He's supporting the poor, he's supporting the sick, he's supporting the hungry, he's supporting your family, he's supporting the Torah, Torah. He's gonna give you more. So, so this person's not gonna feel bad to give it out because he knows that the only reason he's getting the money is because he's doing these things. Anyway, let's, let's wrap up here. Regards to future needs, this person's confidence in the income and assets that's his family still in Hashem's hands, meaning he's not worried that, that he's going to have to save up for it because Hashem's going to provide to him. He's, it's actually stronger than his confidence in what's already in his possession. Meaning the guy's money in his hands, he's even more confident about the money of the future. That's how much he believes in Hashem. That's how much he knows that Hashem's going to provide to him. Even if he accumulated savings and assets, he doesn't rely on them for his future needs. No, he relies on Hashem. He knows Hashem guarantees the sustenance, not the asset. And the reason he does not rely on the fortune he amassed is because he doesn't know if that income is sent for future sustenance or income for himself or income to support others like charity and things like that or income that he'll never use, right? That'll eventually be bequeathed to other people. So he's saying he can't rely on his assets. He can't rely on his money because he doesn't even know which of the three revenues it is. If a guy has 100 grand in the bank account, he doesn't know that it's the 100 grand that's set aside in the spiritual revenue of supporting him and his family. He doesn't know if it's the money set aside to be bequeathed one day in the future to somebody else, right? So he can't rely on it. And this person will also attain honor in this world. And after death, he will have good reward in the world to come. It says in Tehillim, Praiseworthy is the man who fears Hashem. Ad sofo, where it says until the end of that Tehillim uh, 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 that this person is praiseworthy. Anyway, I'm going to wrap it up here. We did a long one, but it's phenomenal. The basic takeaway is let's do our hishtadu. Let's work hard. Let's do our effort within reason. Let's not let it disrupt other important parts of our lives like our health, our marriage, our family life, our spirituality. Let's have bitahon that Hashem is going to provide for our basic needs because it's a basic law that every single living human thing, living thing is given what it needs to survive. And let's know with bitahon that if we're meant to have a surplus, we will have a surplus. And let's remember if God blesses us with a surplus, it's for one of three things 
it, it, it could be for one of three things and therefore should be used for all three things. A, to support ourselves. B, to support others, family, friends, and charity. And C, eventually be used to be bequeathed to, to, to a future being, whether it's children or charity and things like that. Have a beautiful night and I wish us all a, a great parnasah with Shavat Nefesh, with peace of mind and, uh, and uh, in holiness and health. Amen.